This is the One in Three podcast. Let's go. This is the One in Three podcast. I'm your host, Alan Sternberg. Welcome. If you're new around here, um, if you're just checking it out and getting into it, the One in Three podcast is it's a podcast about food people, about restaurant industry community, and how we can grow more community, how we can be better allies for for everyone to make sure that everybody has a fair chance to to talk about tough subjects and you know celebrate people's successes and help people grow that that's kind of that was kind of the big original goal and I still think we're we're being pretty true to that but today's a little bit lighter episode I'm really happy to to bring a great conversation with Amanda Gibson from Indie Doe here in Indianapolis uh Amanda moved to town a little over a year ago and started a pop-up uh doing donuts and some other baked goods here in the city and it's it's just killer i got to go to a pop-up at, at indie dough or at king dough it was indie dough at king dough here in town and it, it was just you know a great little morning stop and uh she had a apple fritter that was just to die for and it's actually one of my favorite things in the world is an apple fritter and this one was you know just a just an absolute knockout. So if you haven't heard of Indie Doe, definitely go check her out. And she's trying to get into a brick and mortar. I actually think she announced her GoFundMe like right after we talked. So I don't I don't know if it's actually in there, but she she's trying to get into a brick and mortar. She's got a place that is appealing to her and it's not quite vacant, but she's looking for some community support because she wants to she wants to give back to the people that have been supporting her. So go do that. So I'm, I probably talked too long and you know, you're not here to hear me talk. You're here to listen to my guests and their experiences. So without further ado, here's Amanda Gibson of Indie Doe. Um, whenever I like, I haven't done a podcast in a really long time, but like whenever I do them, I feel like I have to like talk myself into it and then like, I get really anxious, but then it always is like the best conversation ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I do really well one-on-one. I don't do well with like a huge group of people. So same, same. Yeah. So Amanda Gibson, welcome from uh, Indie Doe. Glad to have you on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, do you want to kind of give me a quick rundown of kind of your past and how you got how you got to Indy and how how Indie Doe all came about? Yes. So, do you want me to kind of talk about like where like where I've worked previously? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, just kind of the the synopsis of what got you into food. How did you get here? I know you didn't go to, to culinary school. You didn't necessarily follow a traditional chef route, but I, I think your story is pretty interesting and and your time with uh, with Good Doe. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel like I've always been interested in food. I did not grow up like baking or cooking or anything like that. But um, I grew up um, on five, five acres um, on a farm and having like a huge garden was just like normal. And then my mom always made everything from scratch. Um, 
but that was just something that like was normal and she did that all growing up because her parents like had no money and there was so many kids in their family um but it wasn't until I like moved out and I got older I graduated high school and I moved to Florida and I realized like oh it's not normal that people don't like just always make their food like people like just go out and buy like prepackaged stuff um and I was working in fast casual food and then I was like I don't want to work in corporate restaurants ever again and so I found um a coffee shop that I was at and I um I was a coffee I was a customer there and I just realized like oh this kind of feels like all of your pastries are like I walked into Costco's like walk-in fridge and Mm -hmm. so um she ended up hiring me and I kind of just like pushed her and encouraged her to like hey like you can make things yourself and it'll sell better and you you can bake things so why don't you Um, So I just allowed her and pushed her and gave her the time to be able to do that. And then after that, I quit that job. And then I moved to one of more defining moments for me is I worked at Maple Street Biscuit Company. um, And I worked there. Um, It's not here in Indiana, so I'm not sure a lot of people know about it. But um, they had people to me. And I didn't really want to work there, but I just needed a job. And then I ended up going there and they were expanding. And I was like, if I'm going to make, I was getting ready to get married. And I was like, if I'm going to make this, uh, if you want me to stay, you're going to have to make this like more of a career for me. I'm not just going to be like making gravy and biscuits for you. So they were like, well, actually we're going to open locate like another location. I was like, okay, great. I like training people. And I like, I like being, I like people knowing, I like communication and I like people knowing what's going on and they made a lot of stuff from scratch. And so I was like, it makes me really frustrated when something goes wrong and nobody has the answer to why the, uh, like mac and cheese, like why they're, why it's broken. And so a lot of people didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know what it meant at the time either. And then it's like, oh, you got your cream too hot, but nobody knew why it was like curdled. And so that kind of made me frustrated. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to be your trainer. And then they I didn't realize that they were going to like expand crazy and they ended, I opened um, seven stores with them. So I went to seven different stores and a lot of them were um, out of state or out of the city that I was living in. And then during my time at Maple Street, um, I realized like I needed a creative outlet because even though they made a lot of stuff from scratch, they weren't making things that I was passionate about and they were moving more towards uh, kind of like prepackaged items and they were more moving more towards like franchise and I had made a commitment to myself to never do that ever again and never work in a place like that. So while it was probably the best job I've ever worked at, I'm very thankful for my time there, but it was not for me for the long term. Um, but some of the best bosses that I've ever had, and I will probably always say that and I'll probably never have better bosses than that. And I still talk to them now. Um, like I'll just find like little notes and journals or something and I'm like do you remember saying this and I'll be like this was super encouraging to me at the time and I hope it's now encouraging you and pushing you (laughs) Um, and then so I started but while I was there I started making I talk really fast I I know okay (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm like looking at the time thinking I've talked forever but it's only been like (laughs) four minutes (laughs) Um, but while I was at Maple Street I wanted a creative outlet and so um, because I started making more things for them and I started realizing like the, in the whys behind things going wrong, um, with recipes, um, cause nobody there had worked in a kitchen before. And I had never worked in a kitchen like that, where we were making everything from scratch. Um, and I was like, okay, I need to like start making stuff. So then I like baking because 
it's more you kind of have to follow a recipe i know with cooking it's you can kind of just do whatever you want and i so appreciate that but if i'm going to sell something to someone i i personally want like to be able to recreate it over and over again and so with baking for me that's a little bit easier than cooking while cooking is um it's i i know it's probably not easier but with cooking, it's like, oh, this needs a little more salt, where I'm like, with baking, a lot of times I can be like, this is the amount of salt that goes into this, because it's a little bit more scientific, and if you add too much salt, or, you know, and um, I ended up starting making technical things, like um, macarons were my first one, and then I just started making more and more things and posting them to Instagram, and then that's how um, people found me and wanted me to make stuff for them. And then I ended up finding somebody reached out to me and I thought it was like a spam uh, message. And they were just saying like, Hey, we're getting ready to open um, Jacksonville. That's where it was Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Jacksonville's first artisan donut shop. Would you like to come and come with us and be like our recipe developer? And I was like, I didn't even know that was a job. I didn't know people would pay me to make recipes for them. Yeah. And, um, I was very hesitant to do all that because at that time I had never made donuts. So I was like, hey, just so you know, like I've never done this before. But as a person who loves supporting local restaurants and going to them and I have an opinion and probably about every restaurant that I sit in, I would love to sit down and talk to you. And like if you want to just like talk to somebody about your vision and your dreams and hear like input from somebody who would probably establish, like, go to your establishment in the future, then sure, I'd love to sit down. And it ended up really liking them. It was um, a husband and wife. Um, and yeah, so I agreed to create their recipes for them. But I was, um, I did not accept to go onto their team. I was like, I'll work at Maple Street and I'll make your recipes for you. But I'm going to stay at Maple Street. So I wasn't looking to leave. But then at the time, like I said, they were looking more into franchising. I was like, actually, this is a perfect opportunity that I'm just like not accepting this wonderful thing that's like come into my life. And it was really hard, but at the same time, like, it was such – I'm so thankful for working at both Maple Street and Good Dough. Um, just working at Good Dough, like, definitely pushed my creativity. It pushed me to – it was hard working with some of the people on that team coming from Maple Street just because the culture was completely different, and my bosses were totally different. And it had been – I worked at Maple Street, I think, for five years, and then I was at Good Dough, I think, for three, so two and a half years. And so it was just really hard to transition from those bosses to other bosses. Not that they were, they, not that they were bad, but they were just, they were different. And I wasn't, I just wasn't ready to transition bosses yet, I think. But I'm very thankful for all of the opportunities that they gave me. And like I said, um, I got to learn way more recipes than I probably would have ever made on my own. And I got to make them for the city that I lived in and for a lot of my friends and just, I don't, it was crazy. Just the amount of like doors that opened up from just doing that and opening that business was, was a lot. So I ended up starting making um, like scones and cookies from my house. Cause in Florida you can, um, there's the cottage food law. So you can make food out of your home and sell it directly to the consumer. As long as you're under a certain amount per year, I think is what it is. But whenever we moved to Indianapolis, I was like, okay, they don't have a cottage food law. So that's yeah. where I had to get really creative with how I, uh, how I started serving people. So, but um, I ended up getting from Jacksonville, Florida to Indiana because I'm originally from Rensselaer, Indiana, which a lot of people don't know. 
um, but it's 30 minutes north of Lafayette on 65. A lot of people know it because they drive through it when they're going to Chicago. Um, But I moved back from Florida to Indiana to be closer to my parents because we had had a baby and he was turning a year old and my husband works from home. So I was like, what the heck are we doing? Like, let's go. And my parents are older let's go and be close to my parents. And that's, that's kind of how it started. I couldn't sit still. So that's how Indie Doe really came to be is I could not sit still. Yeah. Um, and your first one, you started October 5th, 2019 at Studio C. How'd you get hooked up with Greg and that whole crew over there? Yeah. <laughs> so I did not know who Greg Hardesty was. Um, I just knew um, I've, I knew, okay, so we live in the neighborhood where Studio C is, and um, it's the closest place that's at the time served, actually, they might still be the closest place that served local coffee. They serve drip coffee and cold brew, and they don't have like lattes or anything like that, but they opened at the time, they opened at 630. And so my son had just turned one, and he is still really not the best sleeper, but it was like, okay, we want local coffee. And this is the closest place and they're right off the trail. So the amount of times that we would just like walk there because I didn't know anybody and I had a kid and I didn't want to stay in the house all day, but I wanted to be a a stay at home, a full-time stay at home parent. So I just ended up going there. And that's when I was like, what the heck is this place? It's such a a unique concept and people don't quite understand it. And I was just like, I think I get it. And it's such a, it's so cool. But then I was like, he has a fryer. He's open at 6.30. He focuses on dinners, but he's here at 6.30, and he only serves coffee, and he has um, maple pecan cookies, but they're more like scones because I'm like, he sells cookies at 6.30 a.m., but uh, they're more – I feel like they're more like scones. They're like, they're like a breakfast cookie, but I was like, I should just go in and just ask this guy if I can like come and make donuts in his spot because I haven't really found donuts like the ones that I make um, in Indy. And I really, really did not want to make donuts, but I knew that if I wanted to get into the food scene in Indy, then I had to do it my own way since I didn't have the time to devote to a kitchen because as any kitchen person knows, you spend a lot of time in a kitchen and I did not want to do that anymore. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be present first with my family and with, I wanted to be a present parent. And that was one of my fears. And I think that held me back a lot whenever I was in restaurants. I, well, actually at Maple Street, that was one of the reasons why I left is because I was like, I'm going to keep putting, like, I think I want to have a kid, but I'm going to keep putting off having a kid because you're moving so fast. And if I have a kid, then you're going to push me out. And I'm not even going to know what's happening, even though I'm the one that's like helped you do all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I asked, just sent an email and Greg said, yeah, can you, I'm, I, if anybody knows Greg, I don't know him that well, but I feel like anytime I tell like certain stories that people are always like, oh yeah, that's Greg. Do you know him? Yeah, I know Greg. Okay. Well, do you know, like I know people know him, which I quickly found out, but I didn't know if like you've ever, I feel like everybody's worked for him. I keep finding more and more people. They're like, oh yeah, I work for Greg. I'm like, oh, I, okay. I never worked for Greg, but um, I mean, I've done dinners with him and. I know a lot of his um, protégés and whatnot, so I, yes. I've, I've been around Greg. He also um, he worked for Fisher Farms for a little while and sold uh, meat to me. So like we've we've had some talks over the years. So 
Cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoy him. Um, I enjoy we don't have many conversations because I feel like we're both the types of people when we work, we're just like working. And so I haven't had like many conversations. But when I do, I really enjoy uh, listening to whatever he has to say. Um, but I sent him an email and I was like, hey, um, I you don't know me. We come in, we sometimes get coffee and I see that you have a fryer and you don't really do anything in the mornings, but you're open. Can I come and make donuts and maybe sell them? And he's like, uh, bring bring some donuts in. Um, and then I brought donuts in like maybe like a couple days later. And whenever I like walked in, he was like, what? And I was like, I sent you an email. We You told me to bring you donuts. And he's like, oh, Oh, okay. And then he just, he had a donut and like walked to the back of his kitchen and then like came out. He's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, I guess he liked it. And then he just, he, he agreed to let me come in and he's been saying, okay, ever since. So I'm very thankful for him. And that's when, after he said yes. And then I started telling like the very few people that I did meet here, they're like, oh yeah, he's like Greg Hardesty. And then they're like, you know, telling me all the people that's like worked for him and have open restaurants. I was like, oh, I probably would never have gone in and asked him if I knew. So yeah. I'm glad that I didn't know. <laughs> I think it's always amazing how far you can get when you just take the time to ask for something. And mm-hmm. just being a little naive sometimes like really kind of does work in your favor because it doesn't give you the opportunity to overthink it and to question yourself. And, and you know, I, I think most chefs in town, especially at that time, um, late 2019, would would definitely help out kind of any way they could um especially if you got a good product so and and i only say that at that time because with covid obviously there's Mm -hmm. a lot more that goes into some of those decisions but i I had a pop-up for for years that we'd borrow friends restaurants so like i i've i've worked in i've worked in the kitchens of many people even though i haven't worked for a lot of those people and a lot of times it was just asking the question of hey do you can I do this? And they've been very supportive. Yeah, that's what I'm finding out. I have, I had such a supportive community in Jacksonville and I had so many people that would buy stuff from me. Um, and so I was really nervous about coming here and doing something on my own and nobody knowing who I was and being like, who is this? Like, this is a joke. Like, who is this? Who do they think they are? And I don't know. I really don't know if it's because um, people knew Greg that they originally came in or I mean I feel like I did a pretty good job like promoting it on social media beforehand and like finding like the I've, I did my research on like who I should like tag in certain posts like who were the foodies and who had the most account or who had the most followers that if they shared my posts then more people would be like oh there's a new donut shop because everybody wants the new thing and so I don't I think I mean I definitely liked what I make I probably would not line up for it like people do. Maybe if I didn't have a kid, I would line up. But (laughs) there have been multiple people that have like strollers and they line up. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Like, I could never do this. Yeah. Maybe your your kids are more obedient than mine. But (laughs) I I think it's great. It's crazy. I think some of that is, is it's a lot easier to get on board with things and to see the justification of of waiting in line if you aren't intimately familiar with it because I have I have a very similar experience sometimes where it's just like I've lived with a food idea for so long that and and when you hear someone rave about it, it's like man I can see every flaw in this and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being so overly critical of my own work that like I, I just can't understand the the mindset of someone that's just coming in and 
consuming it and being happy about it and whatnot. So I, I understand yeah. where, how you felt that, but I, I think, I think indie is, indie is a kind of a place that um, really does get excited for when people take chances. It probably isn't something that people recognize, but it, it's been kind of my experience that the people that, that go and put themselves out there and care about quality. There's, there's a, there's been a lot of um, mediocre or good enough. So when someone comes around and, and really says, no, I want to I do something really well, I, I think people do get excited around here. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like the, and you're talking about like just being supportive. And like even not just like the restaurant people have been like super supportive, and, but the just like people, like customers have been super supportive. And they're so willing – here in my experiences they're so willing to try whatever i make where in jacksonville um especially at good dough it was like do you just have original flavor whenever we started the menu we did not have just like an original glazed donut because i didn't want to do an original glazed donut i was like come on guys you can go anywhere for original glazed donut but then people like would get mad and so but i haven't like really experienced that here and then because i am alone and doing indie dough i get obviously get to make whatever decisions I want to and so I'm just like I'm not going to do that and then people are like yeah okay you don't have to like we'll get whatever you make and I'm like really <laughs> yeah some of that I think might be too the the, na- the nature of a pop-up which is mm-hmm. is kind of a really exciting business model do you want to talk a little bit about what what got I mean obviously you said you wanted to be a stay-at-home parent but how is how is operating that as a business been before covid and then you know obviously this year's had its its trials yes um yeah so i originally wanted to do it because i uh well i wanted to work for myself for once um and then i wanted to like you said be a stay-at-home parent and then i don't have with being a stay-at-home parent i don't have um a lot of extra time and so i felt like doing a pop-up would work with my husband's schedule. So he would go to, he has a very like flexible job where he can kind of go in uh, like an hour later and cause it's all from home and he just, it's that he doesn't like, it's not scheduled. And so if I need to like stay until 10, then it's fine. But, um, I usually try to do like stuff that's like super early in the morning when Greg opened at six 30, I would get there at like 3am. So I'm really thankful. Just recently they changed their hours to 9am because now I, I only get there at like six, but before I would be getting up at like one or two in the morning and just getting there at three. And, um, that's, I would prep in the morning and I would prep after my son went to bed at uh, that time he went to bed at like six o'clock. So I was able to leave a little bit earlier than when he goes down now, but yeah, I had to, I had to figure out what, how to make what I wanted to do work in that time frame so that was a pop-up and I feel like when I first started I had to explain like what a pop-up was to a lot of people so I don't know if that like wasn't like a common thing in indie before but um we did it a lot in Jacksonville and I don't know if it's just because the food like the way that you can prepare food in different spaces in Florida is different than in indie um I don't know if it's like all of Indiana or if it's just like Marion County and I know Marion County is just like super strict um with there, I don't know how they are now because everybody's doing pop-ups now, which I'm so thankful for. I wish that more people would do them. Um, but yeah, so that's how I had to do pop-ups. And I feel like with pop-ups, it's definitely become such a 
cool business model for me, allowing me to have the time and live the life that I want. So I'm super thankful because not everybody gets that opportunity to live the life that they would want to live, but also get to have that creative outlet and that side business or even not even a side business, but a business to be able to like be able to live the life that you want to live. Um, and so I feel like I feel grateful to say that. And I don't say that lightly because I know not a lot of people get to just have a job and also get to do what they want to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's how pop-ups came to me. And what was the other part of the question? Um, man. Oh, uh, how, how is that business changed from, you know, when you started to dealing with the post pandemic world that we've been in? Yeah. Um, it so Studio C at the time where I have done so many pop-ups out of Studio C. Um, I did a couple at other places, but I just absolutely love being at Studio C. I feel the most comfortable there. Um, when it got really bad in Studio C, they switched to their concept from doing dinners. Like uh, I don't know if a lot of people know Studio C was. Uh, very focused on like chef's table style dinners and basically it was i feel like it was whatever greg wanted it to be but it was really uh chef style dinner so if you wanted to have a dinner with like 10 of your friends then you would go there and then kind of say whatever you want to make and then he would just create a menu based off of that it was basically whatever he wanted to make which is such a cool concept and i quickly found out like he definitely earned his right within the city to do that and he had such a huge following that everybody was like we don't care what you make just we'll come and we'll we'll buy it um but they switched to like a lot of places to grocery store um by because you, know, you know a lot of restaurants have access to food products that and that were going off the shelves and so they switched to grocery store and they would do a lot more like uh, soups and hummus and basically things that to go into the region fridge and they had a lot of produce and so at that time um, I was generating a lot of lines and so I couldn't do that anymore. So I had to figure out a different way. And so then I was like, okay, well I'll do pre-order boxes, which I absolutely, absolutely hated. I know everybody loved doing the pre-order boxes because, uh, people who weren't able to stand in line were able to get my boxes. And so, but I hated doing them because I had to, people already purchased them and there's, there's a difference between making a product and then just turning it around and setting it out on the table and be like, this is what I have to pre-selling a box and be like, okay, this person already paid for it. I need to make sure everything is right. And I'm always so paranoid that I've messed everything up. And so I'm like, okay, this person bought, I have 25 scones. Okay, I'm going to make 30 scones so I can have extra, just so I can mess up five of them. <laughs> and so um, I switched to that. And then once things started, um, I guess, kind of being lifted, they, they, well, I'm sure a lot of like the listeners know that um, Greg ended up getting cancer and going through treatment. And so then that provided it's it's kind of a sucky situation that I was like I was given an opportunity to do more pop ups um, because he wasn't able to do the dinners as often as he was doing them. And so I don't it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a not fun thing to like talk about just because I get to be there more often. And I hope that like I'm helping them by being there more frequently, but um, I get to be there once or twice a week um, just because they don't have the, you know, the dinners that they were doing. Yeah. Um, 
And so because I'm able to be there once a week now, um, I'm able to make a little less and not, there's not like, there's that, I'm so always surprised when people line up for whenever I am there, but it's not like crazy long lines as it was before. And I make a smaller amount each time. So while I do it on a weekly basis, I'm not doing like a hundred, 200 donuts each time I'm there. Um, and then I've, because I'm able to be there once a week and people, the customer, like customers have allowed me to add in other things besides donuts. And so that's really my passion is to make a wide variety of things because I definitely get burnt out making the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So adding focaccia scones, um, making a quiche or cookies or something like that. And so I'm able to make a variety of things, which makes me happy. And I feel like whenever the person who's making the thing that you're eating, they're happy and they have passion for it, then it makes it more enjoyable to purchase it and to also eat it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the first things you talked about with coming to India was that you didn't necessarily want to do donuts here, but you knew that was, that was the easiest foray into the city. So <laughs> like, it, I know you have kind of a passion for savory pastries. Um, so I, I, I first found out about you from somebody that was sitting in line or had posted about the line and, you know, it just kind of struck me of what is, what's going on over there because there hasn't been tons of pop-ups in the city. And um, obviously with a connection to, to Greg and studio C, like that's something that is, you know, gets a lot of attention just in and of itself because of, because of Greg's pedigree. Um, So I don't know. I think, I think you kind of lucked into it, but it also sounds like you've done tons and tons of hard work to, to get the following you've got here in in town. So um, with that, we're actually going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a second. back with amanda gibson of indie dough um we had just started to talk a little bit about you branching out into some other things besides donuts um what what are the things that really kind of get you excited right now to make and i i know i saw you post a bunch of pictures of pies um from the holiday uh we're recording this the day after thanksgiving so um i know you've been busy with pies yes uh yeah Last week was dedicated to pies. Um, yeah, that was fun. I can't say, I don't, things that get me excited. I feel like making things from scratch. And then um, I recently like had a couple of people just like come in and help. And that just like reminded me of like how much I have like missed like working with people and like having like a team of people. And so I miss like talking about food and like just talking about like what we're doing, like why things like why things are looking like why is a dough looking like this? So just like talking about stuff. And so things that get me excited is talking about food and like having those people that are like come and help me that are also passionate about food. Um, that probably wasn't you're probably talking about what excites me about food. Um, but no, that I, gets... I think that I mean I I can relate so much. I've been out of the restaurant for like nine months now, so 
like the idea of I, I didn't realize how much of my social life was wrapped up in in restaurants and with food people and being able to just go through the day and like getting to know people on a a level that you don't normally get to if you work you know 60 hours a week with someone you get to know them pretty well pretty quickly like so i i can totally empathize with the desire to talk to people about food i mean that's one of the reasons <laughs> we started a podcast was just yeah. to be able to talk to people again yes so before indie dough i started a podcast as well um and then now i don't have the time with indie dough and also just like being wanting my to put my family to make sure i put my family first uh for me i know a lot of people can do a lot of those things and put their family first but for me mentally and personally i could not do those things and so i had started a podcast because i was so i missed it i was desperate for like just talking about like i don't feel like i'm an extrovert but when it comes to like something i am passionate about and that is just like food has become such a passion and like not just like talking about like flavors and like i just remember like growing up and this is i wouldn't say my mom is like the best like cook in the world but making things from scratch and like we always went out to like local restaurants and then she always would you know she would taste something and she would be like "Hmm, i wonder what that ingredient is in there and that's just like one of my favorite things to do now is like going to a place and be like i wonder how many ingredients this like there is in this broth or i wonder like what's that like taste like today somebody had left a pie um left a pie somewhere that we were at today and I was like eating it and I was like I know this is such a simple pie but there's like a flavor in here that like I cannot figure out (laughs) and so (laughs) it's just like things like that 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 that's what gets me excited and I think that because um I feel like I do I feel like I do I'm saying this now but in the moment I'm like I'm terrible and the worst baker in the world but now I feel like I can say it I'm like I'm pretty good at baking and so that allows me to put different flavor combinations together so things like scones or biscuits you can you can have that base recipe and then you can kind of add in like what you want and so that's what's fun to me is like finding a local person that makes something else like honey or I guess they don't make honey but you know they get the honey um yeah and they you know just taking like what they what they're making and making it a community thing so I'm taking my passion and taking their passion and I don't know, you create something as simple as like a buttermilk biscuit with local honey and butter. And I don't know that that's, that excites me. I know it sounds silly, but that is just a biscuit and butter and honey, but that's, that's excites me. I mean, yeah, I, but I, I, I really miss inside jokes. That's what I was going to say. I really miss <laughs> like, like working with people and like just having inside jokes or like having like little things about like people who come in that are like customers and just being like, Oh, that's uh two, two scrambled eggs guy. Make sure you make his, you know, make sure you make his eggs. Right. Like, you know, just always like having that thing, like with other people. Cause I often at Maple street, because I always went to a new restaurant and I had to train people and never got to like make those inside jokes until I went back to like my home store. And then I was like, I miss you guys so much because I can just like work with you and not worry about what you're doing and just like trust that you know what you're doing. And we can just like make jokes like all day long. And I just like, I miss that so much. Yeah. Um, so like, I know you care about sourcing, but it sounds like you just care about the people as much. And like, they're the same thing, but on two different fronts, really. Um, how important is, I mean, how has been sourcing food in Indiana been for you? I know Jacksonville is very different. It has been so much fun because Florida is so, so dry and it's so humid 
And while there is definitely produce that grows there, um, just like this is my first time that like I get to make all the decisions myself because I'm the only person. And I that was another reason is like I probably am not I'm probably not generating like enough revenue to like keep making this like profitable for a long term right now just because like the amount of stuff that like I go out of my way to like go and get I don't know it's silly a lot of like old bosses probably would be like um yeah that's probably a little bit too much but because I I make such small batches and I'm a pop-up and I change the menu each time I can go out and I can buy those things and then I can keep I can make sure I use up the ingredient or if it has a longer shelf like like honey I can make sure that like oh I have I have that local honey still sitting there and I can use that at the I don't have to use it all right now I can save it and use it later and still be supporting that person whenever I make something and I tag them but yeah it's been so much fun because yeah, the, I don't know, it sounds, sounds really corny, but the soil is like so much richer in the Midwest. And so it's been fun because yeah, the produce is like way better and there's a lot more, um, like butchery, butchery is our word. There's a lot more meat available, like local meat available Yep. and milk. There's local milk, there's local milk, there's local eggs. There's, there's just a lot more, I feel like. There definitely was that in Florida, and we definitely supported all of them. But I just feel like it's a lot more accessible in Indiana. And I don't know if, like, maybe do you feel that way? Or am I just, like, have I been, like, deprived in Florida? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've, I've lived here my whole life. So I, I've i got a lot of local producing friends or, or acquaintances or connections at this point. I think when I was at Cerulean, I think our at one point we had 32, 35 local vendors we were regularly buying from so like i don't know you get to know people and i don't know if there's i don't know if there's a ton of them or if they just are good at making connections because you see them at farmers markets you you get to know them they they're easy to reach out to um so i don't know how easy it is for the lay person but as a restaurant chef it's been it's been pretty easy to cultivate those relationships yeah i guess i would also say not only cultivating the relationships, but like they're, I feel like Indiana's a lot of more people are open to it. And in Florida, like the local egg distributor that we had found, they couldn't keep up with the demand of the donut shop. And so it was like, okay, well, we want to use local eggs, but like you, we can't be running out of donuts. And so it was, that was, I feel like a lot more people are more open to buying local. It's not, it's definitely not easy if you're like a, like you're saying you had 30 vendors at like a restaurant that was probably open. Like how many days of the week was it open? And like just the way that you probably had to do like inventory, like, okay, now I got to place this order. Okay. Now I got to place this order. Like 30 different orders is crazy. Probably really difficult for whoever did your, your accounting too. (laughs) Yeah. They, they, we had a lot of invoices, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of CSAs around the state because that because we are 90, I think it's like 95% agricultural in the state. Um, most of that being corn and soybeans, which is fuel, but mm-hmm. like the local farmers that care. And I think there's a, there's a good amount of younger farmers that, mm-hmm. that care and they're in their thirties and forties and they're trying to do things a new way or, or actually an older way. But, um, I, I think they because they're tech savvy and they're they're communicating with um, customers directly and have the the CSAs um, already kind of going and, and there's been a big boom in farmers markets the last couple of years. Well, God, it's been 10, 15 years. Um, 
like I think some of that has just kind of been part of our culture because we are an agricultural state first and foremost. So I, again, like I don't know how easy it is for the layperson, but I think I think it's definitely primed to be even better than it is. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like it is actually as a person who like moved here not having any job um I think it is actually pretty accessible because of the amount of people like that are at farmers markets and then with the pandemic now a lot of like the farmers um the vendors um they take like online like you pre-order so that way there's less uh contact and you can just go directly to their tent and I feel like it is easy to get it and but I wouldn't I would have never known that before because I worked in restaurants and if you work in restaurants you work every single Saturday and so I never got to go to farmers markets either and so as a person who had moved here and was a lay person, um, it was accessible. <laughs> Good. Um, you've talked, you're, you've hinted a lot at, at kind of branding and social media and whatnot. And I know you've been very, very good about promoting other people that you find and you've been very supportive. Can you talk a little bit about your, your social media, um, direction you like to go and and, I mean it seems like your brand is very very focused like you know very firmly what your brand is even if it's continuing to grow and evolve yeah I don't know if I'm any good I think that I'm good at it I know that I'm good at it for other people but it was very difficult for me to get uh to be okay with it for myself and then so at maple street um i had no like social media like i somebody messaged me they're like did you go to school for marketing and i was like i didn't go to school for anything um (laughs) but i i feel like at maple street like i just had a boss who like took a picture and like remember like instagram came out i don't even remember what the filters were but they like added that filter and i was like this is so terrible like you're posting pictures of food like nobody even knows like it's so like What's, what's the like super vintagey one? I was like, there can't the biscuits and gravy are already like a ba- like beige. Yeah. The s- southern southern food is really hard to take pictures of because it's all all it, beige and gray. But it's, um, <laughs> it's definitely worse if you put a sepia filter over top yes! of it. Yeah, that was what it was called. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was like, why are you doing that? Um, and so they, I was just like, can I take pictures? Or can like they just gave me the password? And so. From there, from at Maple Street, um, I had two bosses, um, and both of them, I mean, they both enjoyed what I did, but the um, original, like, founder of Maple Street, he was like, I really like the way that you, like, the voice that you have, and I was like, you mean my own voice? The voice that I'm putting to your to your account, and so they started growing, but as they were grow- growing, um, I'm not t- trying to, like, discount, like, my work that I did there, but, like, they were opening more stores, and they were reaching more uh, communities, um, but... At the same time, like, whenever I, like, try to tell people, like, if I've ever, like, tried to apply for a social media job, which nobody hired me, so, which I'm thankful they didn't, because Indie Doe probably would never started, um, but I definitely grew their account to over 20,000 people, or 20,000 followers, um, and then when I went to Good Doe, same thing, I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I did Maple Street's social media, do you want me to do yours too, and so just took that to them, and yeah, by the time that I left there, I think, pretty sure that they were, like, 12,000 followers and so I was like okay now I gotta do this for myself which is a lot harder whenever you're doing things by yourself um because you I mean you've already said and I've like listened to your other podcasts too it's just a lot it's more difficult because you're always like constantly in your head that was the other thing about not working with people is when the people come and they help me out sometimes I'm like can you taste this and just tell me like can you just tell me if this is good because I think that it tastes good or I think it tastes terrible can you just like someone confirm 
um i made like a pumpkin old-fashioned donut um for halloween and i was gonna do it for a big pop-up that i had um and so i made like a small batch and i threw away like half the tray and the girl that was helping me that day she was like i think that they tasted fine and i was like well i just i'm not happy with them and so it's oh things are things are a lot harder but i mean that was encouraging to hear and then that day i was just like was feeling terrible and she um you know, just said, like, it's always, you know, it's, it's difficult um, when you're by yourself and you think like you're, you're the one thinking that you're messing up the whole entire time, but you're really not. I don't know. That was, that was Jordan from Kingdo, um, <laughs> their pastry, their pastry chef. Thank you for your words of encouragement that day. Um, but this is what I do whenever I do podcasts. Can, I don't know if you, I like start rambling and then I'm like, I got to go back and edit that out. So I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, you're talking about um oh doing things for myself yeah um i side, yeah, that was I hard. sidebar all the time so don't don't worry <laughs> about it it's it's a thing um actually when you were saying that it kind of reminded me of i think it i think this is a greg hardesty quote um i think he told me one time that he had never made an edible plate of food and when he told me that it was it was like the most real thing I had ever, like, I felt like he just saw inside of me where like every plate of food I've ever made, I hate. So like, don't, don't, don't worry about second guessing yourself every time or every once in a while, because we all do it all the time. So I think that was actually one of the reasons why I like felt so comfortable being there is because even though like we definitely like don't have like super deep conversations that was like when we did have like conversations it was a lot of times where I was like well I don't think that this is good or I don't you know he would definitely he would say things like that too where it was just like well I would be saying like I hope that I can like make this and then he would also be saying like well I don't know if this is going to turn out and I'm like wow for you to be like multiple like James Beard not like nominee like to hear you say like I don't know if this is gonna work out or like just watching I, this sounds like terror it sounds terrible sometimes but this is what I just like, really appreciate even like I try to do this to bring it back to social media I try to be like as honest and like transparent as possible because I appreciate that and like business owners and people who are creating food and just like listening to him and like watching him be like well this is trash and I'm like oh okay well <laughs> watching him just be like I messed this up was like super encouraging to me yeah as well so the the, yeah. the first time I ever staged at a Michelin star kitchen was I walked in thinking like there was just this like aura within the restaurant and like there was some magic behind it. And then I left there feeling so encouraged because you just realize like they're just normal people doing kitchen work and like they've had a little bit more exposure to better practices through their career. So like they're just able to refine a little bit more like it's completely attainable to anyone because they mess up things. They don't know things. And the thing that, that really stuck to me was um, I made sure to not tell them I was a chef at a restaurant or anything. I just said I worked in Indianapolis and this was in Chicago and they had me peel fava beans and they were doing a double peel on it, which I had been doing for years. And the, the line cook that was showing me the way that they want it done. Um, he's like, you know, I'd never done this before I started working here. It's like, man, I've been, I've been doing this for like six or seven years. Um, <laughs> So it was just kind of this this moment of ease in just realizing like everybody questions themselves. Everybody they're just people. Like there's no there's no magic or mysticism behind it. It's it's hard work and it's focus. That's that's the magic of good chefs and good restaurateurs and good food people. 
Yeah, and I would also say, like, I had such insecurities because I never, like, went to any sort of, like, culinary school or any, like, pastry. Never took any, like, classes or anything. And for the longest time, I, like, felt so insecure about it. And then whenever I, like, they, whenever Good Dough, the owners of of Good Dough reached out and they said, like, do you want to, like, develop our recipes? And then that turned into, like, well, you've, like, went and you've trained in open stores. Do you want to be our, like, kitchen manager? And I was like, well, I, who are we going to hire? And so then when people would come along and that they they did go to culinary school then I would get like so in interviews I would say like I didn't go to culinary school are you okay with like taking direction from me and because I was so insecure about it and so but then I feel like a lot of the people who I have worked with that have like gone to any sort of like pastry school have been the most frustrating people for me to work with because they were taught a very I don't they were taught a certain way or they're like not willing to like be open to like looking at something different and the other hand I feel like I've worked with a lot of people who actually I worked with a girl and I really appreciated I really I really appreciate a lot of people that have worked for me um or have worked with me um but she, I, she had come from a coffee shop that had um this like really well-known pastry chef um within Jacksonville and she has like so many Instagram followers and like all these like pastry chefs from all, even now like I'm following people now in like other cities that still like just credit a lot to her. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm like, ah, shaking my fist at her. <laughs> but I, I just remember that girl, she came and she worked for me after she had worked for this other pastry chef. And I just had, you know, insecurities, like just talking out loud, being honest and saying like, Hey, uh, I'm not her. Like I didn't go to pastry school. Like I'm going to like Google all these things. And she just said like, she googled probably something every single day and that was super encouraging to me that like it doesn't matter like which path that you took like you're still gonna mess up you're still gonna you're still gonna not just mess up but like you're still gonna have successes and I don't know it just everybody's like path looks different and I that's like one of my other big passions is just making sure like everybody's included and um that people you don't discount where you have been and because like some people are called to certain types of jobs and for I don't know it just makes me so frustrated because I feel like I grew up in the generation of like our parents like saying like you want to make sure you go to college you want to make sure like you don't want to be flipping burgers but then like that some people like that is their passion and like why would you try to like degrade that at all and even but now like we're I feel like now it's like cool to be like flipping burgers <laughs> yeah I, I think there was there was definitely a, a moment that that I, I really think it, it it was the Iron Chef and Chopped era when you know food was already kind of brimming on the on the social acceptability scale, but like those two programs, I think really kind of helped catapult food into the limelight. And then I think also the the recession of two thousand eight, and there was kind of this younger generation of chefs that were opening um, these gastro pubs and. and these restaurants with good food that was a little bit more affordable and like it just kind of helped kind of push the it pushed the the social sphere in that way and then also you've got Instagram coming out where for the first time like people can see what food looks like before they go to that restaurant like mm-hmm. you know before the before the 2000s like you might be able to find a menu online and there might be a couple pictures of food but like or you kind of had to wait for a cookbook if it was a really acclaimed restaurant but like people didn't know what food looked like. And so I think some of that explosion and acceptability came from like just all the buzz that happened about 
oh, look at this thing. And like, it, it just changed this whole dynamic. And the fact that you've been able to, to navigate some of those social media waters for other people. And then now yourself, like I, I think is again, a testament to um, the attention to detail because, because that's something that, again, like when I look through your Instagram page and I, I, I kind of scrolled back into your days uh, at Good Dough. Um, it seemed very tight and it seemed very focused, but again, like not, it wasn't too defined where it, there wasn't room for it to grow and be flexible and have fun. Um, it wasn't, it didn't look like it was overly contrived. It, it was just kind of an expression and, and it seems very honest going back to you saying that you like transparency. So, yes. And I do, I feel like that, I, I don't know if like not a lot of people like run their social media accounts that way in Indianapolis, but I feel like um, I have had, like, even when I first started and I didn't have like that many followers, I had like people coming in and just saying like, oh, hey, like, um, I love everything you post on Instagram. And I'm like, that is such a weird, what a world we live in that that's the statement that people say now. But at the same time, I was like, thanks. I don't know why like other people aren't like doing like I don't know, maybe I'm just not following the right accounts, but like, I like seeing behind the scenes. I like knowing about the person who made something. Um, I feel like I tried to make sure, like, I don't, I'm not going to put my kid like in every single picture, especially as like my business starts to grow more. I feel like that's a little weird, but at the same time, like I'm a human and I'm a mom and I do have a kid and that I feel like becoming a mom, um, I had just like so many fears around it and, um, I feel like having him has like pushed me to be more creative and like I probably would still we probably would still be living in Florida and I probably would still be working at Good Dough and not pushing like my creativity anymore if I did not have a kid so I feel like a lot of times people are always like oh, if I have a kid I'm going and now I'm going off into another tangent but like oh if I have a kid I will lose this sense of like my personality but I feel like it's made me more creative and it's made me like it's definitely more difficult but it's made me push boxes or whatever shape that people put you in or if I'm even in a shape like it just makes me think like think harder or think differently or try to accomplish like try to accomplish something that I want to do that way but I was going to say with social media um I if I'm like if people are going to listen to me and if people are going to follow me and I just want to also make sure like that I'm tagging other people as well because even though if they're not running social media the way that I would be running it, they still have a good product. They still have a lot of passion and they should still be recognized. And so I'll share as many businesses as I can while, you know, people are, will listen to me. And then also I had like a, one other business. They're like, I don't know how you have the time. I was like, well, I am a pop-up business. And so I do have that extra time. Um, when my son is taking a nap or like we're doing TV time, like I'm not watching Blippy. Um, so <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be looking at my phone. And so I have that extra time to like write out those like longer stories and tag those people. If I ever open up a location, it probably won't look like that, but I'm glad that like the beginning days, like the first, second year of Indido definitely looks like that where it is a community focus and it is trying to support other people. Yeah. Um, I, I, listen to another podcast you were on and I, you said something about you like there to be a face behind the product. And I think that's kind of, again, evident within, within all of, of everything you just said about social media. So I haven't really asked about kind of the future of Indido. So kind of getting into that before we kind of oh, round yes. things out, okay. I, I would kind of like to touch on that. And I was looking at the clock too. So 
uh, <laughs> I felt kind of the pressure. Yeah, why to... do you use? Why do you use? Uh, I never use. I never record. So I use Anchor to upload, but I don't use it ever to record. I didn't realize that it was thirty minutes. Um, I used it for one interview, and I did it over the phone. Um, and it, I don't remember it having like a thirty-minute timer. So weird. I, <laughs> I always wonder, um, whenever I'm listening to your podcast, I always wonder, I'm like, why does he pause right there? So now I know. All I have to, that's like my Enneagram number is, do you know anything about the Enneagram number? But do you know yours? No. no. Um, it's like a personality test, but I'm five and it's like uh, the investigator. And so I have to know why about everything. So when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, why did he pause it there? So now I know and it makes me so satisfied knowing why. <laughs> I'm I'm a huge why person too. And I appreciate that a lot. And that's, it's, it's how I've dealt with my, um, it's how I've dealt with uh, the imposter syndrome in a restaurant. A lot mm-hmm. of times is I figure like, it's okay if I mess up, if I'm constantly figuring out the whys and they're going to question me less if they know that I, I'm okay messing up, but I'm also going to spew a million why we do things at people. So, yes, actually, yeah. that is um, so um, somebody that had worked with me recently, they asked me, they're like, do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome? And I felt like, no, like, but I'm also doing a like making donuts, making biscuits, making scones. Like I've done that previously before. And so I don't feel like I have, I have like some confidence in it. Um, a lot of times, like when I'm making it, but I never feel like I don't exactly know what the imposter syndrome is, but I don't ever feel like I'm pretending to be somebody else or I'm trying to accomplish something that like is not meant for me. But then now that like I'm going through, as we're talking about like the future of Indido, like, now that like I'm trying to go through the process of like, well, what does it look like if I did get a brick and mortar? Um, and that's when I feel like I'm, I feel like a, I feel like such a small child because I'm like, who I'm like raising my hand and I'm want to be like, um, mom, dad, like, can somebody please hold my hand? Like, as I like go through this, like, who do I go and talk to first? Like, there's so many little steps that I don't know. And yeah, it drives me absolutely nuts to just get to the point where I'm like, I just want to like, have a space and I want to be in the kitchen and I want to have a team because that's what I know how to do. And that, I don't know. Yeah. Just dri- it's driving me nuts. <laughs> um, I'm I like, do in- I go and talk to an accountant? Do I go get a lawyer? Like, what do I do? I, I would talk to an attorney, um, <laughs> honestly, because I, I've had so many of those same questions and like, I was, my imposter syndrome is just always, I feel like I'm going to be exposed as this pony that, doesn't really know anything and everyone around me knows something more so like every chef I've ever worked for that didn't go to culinary school always blurts out almost immediately I didn't go to culinary school like and it's always (laughs) just this funny thing to me that it's like it doesn't matter like you're chef because you know more than I do and that's why I'm here um so so exactly what I did (laughs) yeah but like every single chef I've ever worked for that didn't go to school says that and i mean some of them have been the best bosses i've ever had yeah but Um, isn't that like such a messed up system that's like somebody has created that you have to go to culinary school to know what you're doing and like i said like they're the people who have like worked in like have gone to culinary school they've been like some of like my least favorite people to work with because they're so like they have like tunnel vision with what they have to do or they don't they've never worked in a kitchen and they don't know how to work fast pace and they don't like there's a line of tickets and i'm like what the heck are you doing you need a multitask and we have five plates that we can like get out right now and so those things like 
those things I'm like I want to work with people that have are are like little babies and don't know anything because I can train this sounds very uh like I don't know if this sounds like um not not like a dictator but just sounds like I, I like for them to not all the time, but it's it's easier to work with somebody who doesn't know and you get to train them exactly the way that you want to work with them and exactly how you work. And I don't know, does that, I don't know if that sounds rude or mean, but it's just a lot easier to work with somebody whenever you can tell them how you, how you operate and then they can like operate that same way instead of like pushing back whenever there's like, you know, a line out the door. Yeah. It goes back to the, you're a why person. So like you have a reason, you have an informed reason why, you're doing things that way. Like it's not just happenstance and you're willing to be malleable and change practice if you learn a better way to do it. But like, I think a lot of times culinary schools are, I mean, the kitchen is based on this, you know, French military. So, and a lot of the culinary schools are are very Eurocentric male dominated and like they teach you kind of this, this regimented system and you're not really told why you do a lot of the things. It's just, this is the way it is. This is the classic. This is the right way to do it. So when you get someone coming out of culinary school, a lot of times they've been, they've spent two years being told, well, this is the way things are. And when, when you don't conform to that, because you have, you have practical experience, it's, it's hard for them to adjust because they, they've never questioned, they never questioned anything over that two year time period of, of going to school or, however long their program is, it's just everything is presented as fact. And like, that is the way, that is the way you laminate a dough. That is, you know, the way you build this sauce. Like there's, there's no question to it. It's just, this is it. And it's designed to be efficient and for people to not, to not sit there and ponder, why do I do it this way? Is there a better way? Yeah. And I feel like the people who do ask why are some of them like, and more humble people and they're like the people that I would like to work with because we can sit there and we can talk about our passions and like our findings and it's not like uh and I I don't really like working with know-it-alls um I I want to know it all but like I also want to be kind to I I just know what it feels like to not know something and I want to make sure that people they don't feel how I felt at some points in like my restaurant career like feeling small and insignificant and everybody's at different points and I think that if you respect like where you were and then where you're going I don't know it's just it's such a better system if you can just like all respect people and all appreciate the path and where you got to to be in the same spot but yeah I that's how I feel (laughs) yeah I mean it's a big difference between a know-it-all and somebody that is endlessly curious like there's Mm -hmm. a huge difference so Anyways, let's uh, <laughs> let's get back to to indie dough, and I'm gonna keep all that in, by the way, because I think <laughs> I think it's I think it's important for people to to hear some of that stuff. Um, I think it kind of again makes puts the the person behind the product a little bit more. But mm-hmm. what's what's the future of indie dough look like? I mean, you're you're about a year in, or you're over a year in. Um, yes. The question I always get asked, 
are you going to become a brick and mortar? Um, I don't know. I definitely started Indie Dough and I was, I, I didn't know what it was going to turn into. I had no idea that there was going to be a pandemic. I didn't know that I was, um, I had a job when we first got here. I, w- I was like, I'm going to stay at home. And then I was like, I can't stay at home. Um, and so I ended up finding um, a job somewhere within the city that I was able to um, do a part-time like baking. And then that went away but then while I was there I was like uh I need some like creative freedom so that's how like indie dough that was another reason why indie dough got started and so I just wanted to make something myself and because I'd been doing it for so long um and then I I don't know I I didn't know what was happening and then people were super supportive and I was like getting a little bit anxious because like I didn't know like if I had all the right paperwork for the whole like need to need to know and make sure like I want to do things right and so um, I was like, this is taking off. I should probably become like an actual business because before I was not an actual business and I was just like taking the money and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like somebody's going to come after me. I don't know how to pay taxes on all this stuff. So I am in a, I'm, in a, I'm a business now. But the way that the world is now, there's so many pop-ups and I'm, I can guarantee you that not everybody's doing it the way that like I was scared about doing it, which I think that it should be that way. I think that people should be able to just like make their stuff and sell it, which I know that a lot of them are doing now. Um, but I am a person who is fearful and I was like, the government is coming after me. Um, but I, for my like a hundred dollars that I made a day there <laughs> for a pop-up. Um, okay. Trailing off again, but for Indie Doe, I don't know. So I feel like there being in the neighborhood that we're in, um, I really like it. I like being close to the Monon Trail. It's I've just like grown like so in love with it just from like moving here, not having anything to do, walking on the trail. And like we go on the trail probably almost when we moved here it was every day. And now it's probably multiple times a week that we go to the trail. And my son is all he's gonna, he's closer to three than he is to two. And so he's learning how to ride a bike. And I just I don't know. I just love it. And I love that there's always people on it and people are going to work. Everybody's just doing something different. And I just love being there. And so I really want to be somewhere off of the Monon Trail. And I feel like Maybe there is, maybe there's not, but I feel like there's not like a place just off of the trail that you can go and grab um, a pastry and a latte easily. And I definitely want to be that place. And I definitely, if in the future, I would want to be that place in the neighborhood that I'm in, just because I think that it speaks volumes whenever you live where you work. And if, especially if you're a business owner, um, being the neighbor's being in the business, like having a business in the neighborhood that you're in, the people that you care about, the neighborhood that you care about, not that you don't care about the city as a whole, but you know what I'm saying? Like you just have some different perspective a little bit. And so I think that I would definitely like a place. And I think that I have one. It's just, I can't like say like too much about it because there's just so many like open-ended things that I don't know if it's going to happen. I think I'm hoping in the month of December, I'll have um, like a GoFundMe account for a place that like I have my eye on. But like I said, there's just so many like different hoops that I've started that I'm like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do first or what I'm supposed to do after I do this thing. So there's so many little steps that like I have no idea. And I feel that's where I feel like the imposter syndrome. Um, But people can I'm trying. So I started a newsletter. So this is one of the outlets. I started a newsletter and I'm hoping to do like more behind the scenes and of my process um, and just more behind the scenes, even more behind the scenes than what I do on Instagram, just more of like how I feel, some things that like I'm doing at home um, for Thanksgiving right before I shared like how to do, make make your own stock for Thanksgiving instead. Um, so it's more personal 
Um, so if you follow it, don't follow it if you don't want to hear more about me personally. But um, you can sign up through the newsletter. I have a link in my bio on Instagram, which is at Indido. Um, but yeah, so when that time comes, I definitely I've decided I want to start with a GoFundMe account because the community has been so supportive. Um, the whole city has been just super supportive of me and I'm quickly finding out that people who open restaurants, um, I like was not a fan of crowdsourcing at all for the longest time. Cause I was like, oh, people are so terrible with money. Like, why don't they like save money? And then now I'm like getting into it. I'm like, nobody can open a restaurant by themselves. Like yeah. there's always like, there's going to be an investor. There's going to be, um, a crowdsourcing account. There's going to be a family member that has like a ton of money or, I mean, there's probably very few people that open restaurants, but that's how I'm quickly finding out. Like people don't do this by themselves. Like I thought that they did. Like that's my naivety of like, Oh, people just save up and they save up like a hundred thousand dollars just to open a business. Like that would take you years. And so I decided I want to start with um, a GoFundMe account um, and see how much I can actually get from it and see, I mean, there, that's where I'm, that's where I feel the most like a fool where I'm like, I'm going to ask people who are in a pandemic, I'm going to ask them for money and I'm going to ask them for money that I can't promise that if the place that like is, that's been the opportunity of a building that's being presented to me, if I'm even going to get it. And so I just, money is such like a touchy thing. Um, and so I just, but I, I feel like I want to start there because even they've been so, this is hard for me to like talk about because I haven't like fully formed like my thoughts out loud yet. It's only been like in writing, but it's, I feel like they've been such a support to me and um, I want to continue getting that support from those people before I try to go and get a small business loan or I go to investors because I don't know if like a lot of people know this, but once you go to investors, sometimes it's a little bit different there is somebody in like behind the curtain who's making the calls. And I don't know if it's just like my personality or if I'm like just too like stubborn, but I've worked for a lot of people and I've worked for a lot of people where I, I took like my um, specialties. I don't know if that's the right word, if, but I took what my knowledge and my passion and my craft and I pushed it forward for their dreams and I like basically gave it to him. And I completely, I think that that's a great way to work is that when you become, when you're hired onto a team, you basically take the dreams of your boss and make it a little bit a part of your own dream, which I'm completely fine with. But now I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm like, okay, well, I did a lot of that work. So what, if I can do it for them, like, why shouldn't I try to do it myself? Yeah, totally. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's, again, like, I, I think that's, it's important because I, so many people I think can relate to that. I've, I've been in similar situations and it's again, like I, I worked in restaurants since I was 17. Like there's no way I've saved enough money to open a restaurant. Like, because I've been a cook my whole life. Like it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a lot of people are, are at that point of, you know, how do you do things? And you know, the, the unfortunate reality is there's going to be a lot of loss from the pandemic and, the, the lack of government um, direction and leadership. But there's also going to be a lot of opportunity for people that have been working for people for a long time and want to step out because there's going to be, there's going to be buildings available. There's going to be used equipment available. There's going to be liquor license available. Um, you know, rents might drop if there's 
you know, lots of people going out. So like the, the point of entry is going to be lower post COVID. Yeah. And I would also say too, that, um, just, I think like, it's such like a sad time in the world. And I feel like through a lot of it, um, not to like get, I, I don't know exactly how I want to say this, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of, you're saying like a lot of new businesses coming out. I feel like there's also just going to be like a new, like birth, new birth of like creativity that's going to come forth because of so many people like having the time to like get to know themselves, getting to know um, their own passions or, you know, just having doors close on them um, and realizing I, I mean, I think about that a lot of times, like I talked about with becoming a parent of like, man, I'm probably not ever going to cook again and then finding a way and being more creative. And so I feel like through difficult times, people get pushed to do like these wonderful, extraordinary things. And so I feel like we're going to see a lot of that, too. It, it reminds me of a, a quote I saw from a chef I follow on Instagram, um, which is how I consume most media at this point <laughs> like most people yeah yeah um but early on he he's a pasta maker from new york and he had made something and he said you know right now is the time for comfort not innovation and this was this was back in march and i was like man that's that's really profound like and everybody was just starting to make bread all the time and like <laughs> it was it was still cold enough we weren't going outside and like doing out, outdoor things yet mm-hmm. um so everybody's just kind of like pent up inside and like I, I think a lot of that, I think there's a lot of pent upness that people do want frills and they do want some of the luxury back because, because we've been eating our, our, the same meals that we make for our family all the time for the last nine months now or whatever it is. So I think there is a, a big surge of creativity that's going to come, like you were saying, because, mm-hmm. because like we've been denied we haven't been denied creativity, but like it's been redirected into how do we, how do we keep our kids sane when they can't see their friends, when they can't go to school, when they can't go do things like when they've just been in the house for this long, like how, how do we entertain them? How do we entertain ourselves? How do we like, how do we self-examine ourselves? Like, so a lot of our creative focus, or at least in my life has been, geared towards other things and like I didn't I didn't think about food for for months um because I was just kind of burnt out and like now I'm back to the point where man I'm I'm missing it I'm itching like I'm I'm ready to go push myself really hard because I've I've had the break I've had the the time to to just kind of disconnect and now I'm ready to really be re-engaged with that creative process so hence the podcast yeah (laughs) And um, I would say that, like, through this, too, sorry, oh, obviously, I just want to keep talking, but I, I've i been, like, writing a business plan, and just, like, one of the things that, um, like, even talking to my husband, even before, like, the pandemic, even before we moved to Indiana, is, like, I don't, like, I want to work at a place, and I want to be the business owner, and I want to make my own things, but, like, I didn't think that was possible with becoming a parent, and being in a kitchen like all every single day of the week and I'm like why does it have to look that way and so now that like I've been presented with like a place that I'm want to try to get I'm like I'm not going I don't want to be that place like I don't want to overwork my people I don't want to overwork myself I don't I think that you can make it work financially with only being open like four days out of the week and 
like now my husband and I are like, you know, writing the financial projections and it's kind of like, well, how does that actually look? And I like was talking to one of my bosses that I, that one of my old bosses and I was saying like, well, here's what I think that it would be like operating costs for the month. And he was like, okay, well, I think that you can make that work. And I'm like, I wanted to be like, why did you overwork us so much? <laughs> Cause you didn't have to, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, people are trying to make money. They're trying to grow, but I don't want to like, I don't want, I don't want to grow like that. I don't want to, I want to grow. I want to grow in like my talent and I, I don't want to like grow like multiple locations. I, I would want to be like one location and I want to ha- want to have a small team and I want to make a difference within that small team. Plus I am an introvert and like I, like you, I do better with one-on-one yeah. conversations. And so having a small team and being invested in hopefully my future employees um that's what that's what i want to do and um it also allows i i know that you like got into one of your like old passions um with what do you call it biking bmxing yeah. what do you yeah. call it yeah BMXing. <laughs> uh BMXing. um i you know i want to be a place that allows you to have those outside passions i don't want to like completely burn people out and i don't want to burn myself out because i can easily do that because i am a workaholic yeah but I, I have a good friend that reminds me often that success is dependent on how you define it and you can define it a lot of ways. So I think the traditional restaurant model is so focused on, on cash revenue and growth and profiteering that, you know, there's only one or two people that make a lot of money in a restaurant and a lot of money for a restaurant is not a lot of money. So like you have to, you have to grow and you have to have multiple places and then you just kind of get caught up in the the capitalism of it. But if you're, if you're defining success is, you know, you want to feel satisfied and sustained and have a business that can support your people. Like you can do that at a lower cost and, and you don't have to be open all the time. And it's a great time to question the, the tradition of a restaurant because like we saw like restaurants weren't built to be sustainable really they were because uh, of the market but they're not meant to weather the storm that we've we've inherited so um yes yeah i'm I'm super excited to to see where you end up and um you know i'll I'll continue to to sing your praises so thanks um anywhere else people can find you or do you have any pop-ups coming up or do you have anything uh kind of just regular yeah so with pop-up life is i don't uh i don't really tell you where i'm gonna be so you have to follow me on instagram at indido so i do have some things planned for um december i am mostly operating out of studio c once a week but i do do special things um but yeah because uh i I say this humbly and gratefully but i do generate lines and so i try to post as late as possible of if i'm gonna do something special because I don't want people to make, (laughs) this sounds terrible. I don't want to make, I don't want to make, I don't want people to make plans uh, to be there because I only make a limited amount and there's a lot of people that do end up showing up. Say that gratefully and humbly. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I get it. So I appreciate your time. Um, Have a great night. Thanks for talking. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on. I really hope that, everything with indie dough keeps growing and, and the, the GoFundMe successful and the pop-ups keep being awesome. Um, if you like what we're doing, go back and listen to old episodes. Give us five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice. Go follow us on Instagram at one in three podcast and, you know, tell a friend and share it on your story. Like 
get the word out there for us. We can't grow without you guys. Um, Cause I just want to keep talking to people. I want to keep sharing stories and it, it's just been really rewarding to, to do that. So like I said, if you like us, let us know. Uh, if you, I did have a couple of people reach out about people that I should talk to. Um, I'm going to do that for sure. I, I appreciate the, the engagement and, you know, if you have somebody that you think would be a, a good guest on here and I'm trying to kind of keep this regional. So I live in Indianapolis and I think most of the people that listen do, but Cincinnati, Louisville, um, St. Louis, Cleveland, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, like you're all kind of, you're all pretty close. You're about three or four hours drive from me. So I, I I'm really interested in growing community. I, I think that's, it's one of the most important things to me at this point in my life is, is spreading the word about good things to give opportunity to people. And, you know, I, I want us all to grow together. I think, I think the Midwest has a lot of potential to, you know, be very fruitful. And, you know, I, I understand that a lot of people are, are dealing with the COVID thing and, I hate talking about this every week. I hate, I hate bringing up COVID, but like it just really kind of dominates so much of our life, especially in the restaurant sphere. And their restaurants in California are fully shut down except for to go. And uh, there's there's a bill that's already passed the House, but isn't being introduced into the Senate, even though it's got like fifty percent of or fifty uh, co-signers in the Senate already. Uh, the Restaurant Act and and just God, it, it's it's rough out there for restaurants and there will be lasting effects within our industry. And that's, I guess it's another reason that I just feel so drawn to, to help bring everybody together and want to build more community and more camaraderie. And, you know, food is just the thing that binds us together, but the, the personal connections are the things that actually keep us together. Those are the actual bonds that we need to form. So, Thanks for listening. And again, give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe. Um, you know, we, we like doing this. So thanks again. Bye.